Yeah, good morning. Great to see you. Gosh, we're all waterlogged, right? Hope, uh, hope uh, you're as dry as necessary today. I'm very excited about the next uh, month here at Union Chapel. We're going to be trying to answer some of life's difficult questions. And today we're going to ask the question, why? Why am I alive? Why do I exist? What's the meaning of life? Kind of tackle the big one first. But it's right, isn't it, that there are many why questions. Why is life so difficult? Why is life unfair? Why is it uh, so challenging to grow old? Some of these things we're going to be addressing the next uh, several weeks, and so I know that it'll be helpful to you. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes today. It's an Old Testament book, a book of wisdom from Solomon, one of the wisest men who's ever lived. Now, we know that Solomon was wise, but we also know Solomon had some issues with all the great intellects, the geniuses of history, you know, there's kind of a two-edged sword there. On one hand, he was wise, uh, gifted of God, incredibly resourceful. On the other hand, he had some issues, we suspect. Uh, anybody who would have 600 wives and 300 concubines, I mean, he needs, he needs therapy. There's got to be something wrong. And, and, and so uh, we know there were some issues there. And Ecclesiastes, this first chapter gives us some insight into some of his frustrations and some of the ways that life had just kind of worn on him. And we want to use that as a launch point today to uh, discover the real meaning of life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll project the words on the screen for you. And as is our custom, I'll invite you to stand as you're able to hear these words. Now remember, the boy's frustrated. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, Solomon... Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utter meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, it turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear, it's full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. And no one remembers the former generations, even those Yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Now may God inspire us to us and give us great joy in the hearing of, <laughs> of his word today. You may be seated. A first grader approached his mother, first grader approached his mother one day and asked, Mama, where did I come from? She realized, boy, I haven't talked to him about this. And so she launched into this long and elaborate discussion of the difference between male and female, uh, you know, the, the explicit reproductive issues and the origins of life, biological life. After about 30 minutes, she finally stopped. And by this time, her son was completely bored with the whole thing. And in her exhausted pause, the boy looks up at his mother and says, Mama, Jimmy said he comes from Tulsa. (laughs) And so she realized she'd been answering the wrong question all this time. You know, it's important to ask the right question. If you don't have the right question, then you can come up with the wrong answers. I think the most important question in life is, 
what is the purpose of life? What is the point of life? What is the meaning of life? Ecclesiastes 7.24, the Living Bible paraphrase says, how can anyone discover what life means? How can anyone discover it? King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, we've mentioned, and as you read the first chapters of the book, you discover that, that the boy is wrestling with some issues. He's a bit frustrated, and he asks all these difficult questions that seem to have no answer. But here's the truth. God has provided answers to this question, what is the meaning of life? We want to get to that today. And not only has he outlined the meaning, the purpose, the point of life, but it's also clear to us that the Bible's willing to share with us the hard truth that if we don't understand the meaning of life and we don't embrace the point, the purpose of our lives, that bad things are going to happen to us and bad things are going to happen through us. So it's important, critically important that we answer this question. Now, here in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon notes five problems that occur when we don't get the point. We don't understand the purpose of life. It's on your outline. Let me just go through what Solomon says. He says, first of all, life seems useless. Life is meaningless. Verses 2 to 4, you work your whole life. You do what you, you do uh, your duly, duty daily, giving it your best. What do you have to show for it? The world just stays the same. I wonder if any of you have ever felt that way. Indeed, life can take on this perspective if you don't know the purpose of life. If you don't have a sense of meaning, significance in life, then life can become a treadmill. It can become boring. It can become a predictable routine, a repetitious cycle of meaningless activity. And indeed, that's what happens. You work hard. You go to work. You give it your best. Nothing really changes. The sun comes up the next day. The world doesn't really change. Even if I do meaningful things for others, they don't appreciate it. So what's the point? The Latin word that is translated meaningless in these verses 2 to 4 actually means a soap bubble. So you blow the soap bubble in the air. Can you see it floating? Floating. Then what happens? Pop. That's about it. That's life. Meaningless. So what's the point? Why keep trying? Maybe some of you have felt that way. Then second of all, he says life seems tiresome. Life seems, seems tiresome. Verses 4 to 8, we're just going around in circles, ending up where we started. We meet ourselves coming and going. Life is like a rat race, a hamster on a wheel, tiresome. It's, uh, it's shoveling the walk in the winter, and it's mowing the grass in the summer. For what? We know, we know that this time of year, you mow it on Tuesday, it's got to be mowed again on Thursday. What's the point? It just, it just wears you out. It's, it's the Christmas lights. Putting up the Christmas lights. Is there anyone besides me? It just seems like every year I put up the Christmas lights, it feels like I just did this last week. Does it feel like that to anyone else besides me? I don't know. Making money, spending it all, it's all tiresome. And this not only applies to those who don't know the point of life, but listen, this applies to those of us who have known the point of life, the meaning of life, but we've forgotten. We get distracted and we get off point. And we miss God's best for our lives. Life can be tiresome. Life, thirdly, Solomon says, seems unfulfilling. Let me just quote the great theologian, world philosopher uh, from the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger. <laughs> when he said, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no 
satisfaction. He tried and tried and tried, apparently. But he can't get no satisfaction. The Living Bible in verses 8 to 10 from our text today says, No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. Nothing is truly new. And at times it does feel that way. It doesn't matter what we see or what we hear or what we read. There's nothing new. There's nothing stimulating. There's nothing, there's nothing that's not happened before. I'm bored because life is unfulfilling. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Today's American culture is very easily distracted. We are very entertainment-oriented. Our attention span is, is growing less and less, more and more narrow. Uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable thing. Our, our television technology right now, our computer technology, is fascinating. It's amazing. I would have never dreamed in my life that, that you could sit down with a remote control with a, a satellite feeding your dish, and, and you have 400 channels at your disposal. You can watch different shows while you're recording other shows and in different rooms and pictures within the picture and and it's just you know from from one remote it's remarkable this study has been done the average american it's speculated now will actually change the channel from the remote over the course of their life 350,000 times now frankly i think that's a low number <laughs> especially for men i just seems like i made that number yesterday. <laughs> but that's just the way, that's the way we are. We're restless, we're bored, we're unfulfilled because we forget or we do not know the point of life. Then Solomon says, fourthly, that life seems insignificant. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of men of old. Even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Nobody cares, nobody remembers, nobody notices. doesn't matter what I do, the monuments I build, the assets I accumulate, the professional success I achieve. No one's going to remember. No one notices. Nobody cares. What's the point? It seems insignificant. You know the phrase. It's not what have you done, but it's what have you done for me lately. It's a constant pressure on all of us um, if you don't know the meaning of life. Then Solomon says, fifthly, life seems uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. This really is true, isn't it? Life just feels that way much of the time. Um, verse 15 from, from chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, it says, you can't straighten out what is crooked. You can't count things that aren't there. Have you ever tried to straighten something out that just wouldn't straighten? I have to straighten that out. And then you give it a real, a real effort. And it's, i got to get that straightened out. But it won't straighten. It just won't. You have no control. It's gone. It's lost. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond your help. How can you count something that isn't there? Solomon inquires. So let me ask you the question. Is there anything in your life that is out of control? Let me answer the question for you. Yeah, just everything. Everything's out of control. That's the nature of the beast. Most things in life are completely out of it. It seems that life is completely out of control when you don't have the perspective of knowing the real purpose and meaning in life. Well, ultimately, if you don't know the meaning of life, life is meaningless. If you don't know the point of life, life is pointless. If you don't actually have an understanding of God's ultimate design and purpose, then life is without meaning. So if you're defined as a person who doesn't know the meaning of life, or maybe you're a person in the room who's kind of lost your way, you understood the meaning of life at one point, but you've, 
you've gotten distracted for various reasons. If you're in that category, what happens in life is that people usually choose three options if you're not sure about the purpose and the point of life. One option that people choose is to create something for themselves in order to get meaning. Every one of us have been designed, have been created, have been programmed with a deep and abiding sense that, that there is value in my life. Now, you may not live in that. You may not sense that. You may not be aware of it. But all of us have it, that, that intrinsic need for meaning and for structure and for destiny. It's at the core of our lives. And people will naturally then attempt, if they don't know God's ultimate meaning for their life, they'll attempt to create meaning for their lives. For example, a guy will say, you know, I, my, the meaning of my life is to make a, mon, a bunch of money. I just, my life's purpose is to accumulate as much stuff as I can, pile it up, biggest pile I can make. Or another person will say, my purpose in life is to be the most successful person in my particular career path. I want to find professional success. That's my meaning, my purpose in life. Some folks just dumb it down. They know they've got to have some kind of meaning and purpose. And they say to themselves, look, my purpose in life is to be a Colt fan. I walk around with one of those, uh, you know, foam helmets and always wearing a jersey. That's just, that's, my, that's my, my deal. That's my move. That's my goal. That's my purpose in life. And so people actually get into these things. And in my opinion, this is the great lie of humanism. People trying to create their own meaning. And more and more, as you know, people in our culture are secular in their worldview and humanistic in their practice. Let me just uh, offer this thought that, that three of the greatest minds that humanity has ever produced. I want you to follow me. Three of the greatest minds humanity has ever seen were Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, and Charles Darwin. All three of these guys who have left their imprint on all of our lives, changed the world, all three of these guys. Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, Charles Darwin. And all three of these guys uh, believed that human beings originated from some primal ooze, some primordial goop, that you were a cosmic accident that is the coincidental timing of the necessary conditions of light, of light, of water, and of matter. And then, shazam, out popped you. And all you really are is a highly complex germ. That's human beings. So you came from nothing, and you're going nowhere. All three of these guys who have changed the world with their worldview and their philosophy, their intellect, all of them said that you came from nowhere and you're going nowhere. And then all three of them in their own way said, while you came from nothing and you're going nowhere, nevertheless, while you are on the earth, life is to have meaning and value and dignity. And my response to that is, give me a break. Give me a big break. Give me a blankety-blank break. <laughs> Listen, if you came from nothing and you're going nowhere, you live for a while and then you're dead, you cease to exist in any form, anywhere, then intellectually, I struggle with the conclusion that says, oh, and by the way, in the meantime, while you're alive here, you should feel really good about yourself. 
What is that? If you came from nothing and you're going nowhere, then please have the intellectual honesty to admit that life then has no value. It has no meaning. It has no dignity. Life is meaningless. The intellectually honest person will admit that if life came from nowhere and is going nowhere, then life is meaningless. What does life mean? Came from nowhere, going nowhere. What does life mean? Essentially, I'll tell you what it means. It means nothing. There is no God. There is no creator. There is no creation. There is no accountability. There is no accounting for what you do in this life. There is no eternity to imagine. And if that's your worldview, if you're a secular person, if you're a humanistic in your approach, then have the guts to admit that life does not matter. That gives you permission then to abort your preborn children or to euthanize the old or the infirm or to abuse or to abandon or to do anything you choose to do. And what we're seeing in our culture today is that so many people are creating meaning for themselves defined by their own convenience and self-pleasure. And if that's your worldview, then go for it, man. Grab for all the gusto you can get and, and hope you die young. Because if you came from no one and you're going nowhere, life has no meaning. It's the only intellectually honest conclusion you can draw. Another option that people choose when they don't understand the point is they choose to escape. They ignore life. They run from it. They watch TV 24-7 or play computer games in their mother's basement all day long at the age of 38 years old. This is what they do. Or they take mind-altering drugs, or they run from sex partner to sex partner, or they commit suicide, the ultimate escape, the third leading cause of death in the United States, the second leading cause of death among teenagers in our culture. And if life is meaningless and it makes no sense, then why not just end it? It makes perfect sense. The ultimate expression of failing to know or remembering the meaning of life is despair. So just give up. Check out. It's reasonable. If you've missed the point, if you don't know the purpose of it. There's a third option, though, that people choose, and it's the one that I would highly recommend that, that you consider today if you're missing the point, and that is to discover the real meaning of life. Could I, could I encourage you to, to discover that? And let me help you with that today if I can. In Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 1, and I, let me just put on the screen for you verses 4 and 5. And he writes, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us with his love. Now follow it. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. Now follow this, so important. What is the meaning of life? God created us so he could love us. We exist to be the object of God's infinite love. God is love, the Bible says. And for love to be real, it has to be expressed. It has to be experienced. It has to be realized. So he created human beings to be the ultimate focus and beneficiary and expression of his love. So the reason that you exist, the primary meaning for your life, the point, the purpose of life is to realize that God has made you to be the expression of his love and value. And not only does God love you, 
and value you. He wants you to love yourself and to value who you are as a person. Based on his love for you, you now have meaning and significance and purpose. You are the expression of God's infinite love and care and value. And this is one of the primary reasons why you exist. God loves you and he values you. Now, here's another little point in this, and it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll put this on the screen for you. It's verse 10. And this was his purpose, that when the time is right, he will gather us all together to be with him in Christ forever. Now watch this. You are personally moving toward an appointed destiny. Watch it. Life is not some vicious cycle of meaningless striving. You, you and I, we have an eternal destiny. A hundred years from now, everyone in this room will be alive somewhere. A thousand years from now, everyone in this room will be alive somewhere. A million years from now, everyone in this room will be alive somewhere. Life then is preparation for eternity. So rather than saying, I came from nothing and I'm going nowhere, God says the meaning of life is, I came from someone and I'm going somewhere. I came from the God who loves me and values me and I'm returning to him. I came from God and to God I will return. I was created by God to be the object of his love and value and I have a destiny and purpose in this life which will prepare me for an eternal destiny with him. How good is that? See, that changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, that changes everything. That changes going to work. That changes paying the bills. That changes mowing the yard. That changes being in a relationship. That changes everything. Changes it all. I exist for a reason and a purpose. I have a destiny. And my life here and now, no matter how long it is or how short it is, is preparation for the eternal life that is to come. Now, remember, that's different than eternal time. I mentioned eternal life. You know, people get to 70 years old and they just get tired. So, I, you know, I've been living 70 years. I'm just tired. Just feel unfulfilled, out of control, just worn out, tired of life. Now I'm supposed to die and go live forever. I can't even make it to 70. <laughs> but it's not eternal time. It's eternal life. So that every moment in the kingdom to come is filled with life and hope and peace and joy. Life that never ends. Therefore, the choices I make and the things I do in this life have meaning and they have purpose. The choices I make, the decisions I choose in this life have meaning and significance. Not only in this life, but the life to come. Someone said it this way, the choices I make today will determine the stories I tell tomorrow. The decisions I make today will determine my destiny. And so here we are with this world. I choose to live in a God-honoring way because it pays great dividends now and will pay great dividends then. You and I are part of a bigger picture, a bigger picture. So faithfulness to family, listen. Integrity in relationships, hear it. Honesty in business, work ethic in labor, carefulness in decisions, and devotion to God. See, these all become our priorities because they have both temporal and eternal meaning and benefits. I am someone, and I'm going somewhere. 
And so it matters how I live my life. I came from someone, and I'm going to return to him. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in the heart of men. He set eternity in our hearts. In other words, God has a really long-range view toward you. Get the point. Now, knowing what the meaning of life is, we are the object of God's love and value, and he wants to, he wants to live with us forever. Knowing that purpose of life, the point of life, the question then becomes, so, okay, what do we do? What do we do with that information? All right, here's what we do. I have four ideas for you. Number one, pursue a relationship with God. Pursue a relationship with God. Get to know God. John 1, 12, to all who receive him, God gives the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so through faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of God's kingdom of life. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the opportunity God gives us, the expression of his love, which he has prepared for us. So if you want meaning, you want significance, you want purpose, then you know God. Build a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Let me just speak to young people for a moment. Young people in the room, listen to me. The most important decision you will ever make in your life is receiving Jesus Christ in your life as your personal Lord and Savior. The most important decision you will ever make in your life, there isn't a close second, is to accept for yourself the gift of life that connects you with God through the love of God's Son, Jesus Christ. It is the most important thing anyone ever does, is connect with God. We know the, the, the meaning of life is all surrounded in the love that God has expressed to us and the value he places on our lives and his desire to live with us forever. So the right response to that point is to connect with God in relationship. And you do that through a meaningful relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. What should I do with my life? Get to know God. Get to know God. The ultimate expression, purpose, point of any life is to get to know God. Yeah. Now here's the second thing. Not only get to know God, but become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. Now watch this. Romans chapter 8, verses, verses 28 and 29 are familiar and popular verses. Verse 28, most of us have heard at some point. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called to his purposes. So we know that God is causing everything that happens to our lives, good and bad, to be produced and to, and to, and to ultimately resolve in goodness. God is working good throughout our lives. This is the promise of God. Verse 29, though, not so familiar. It says, for God chose us to bear the family likeness, hear that phrase, bear the family likeness of his son, so we might be the eldest of many brothers. So here's what God wants of us. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. He wants us to bear the family likeness. When the, when the, when the family photo's taken, they go, you say, those, look at those kids, they all, look like, they all look like each other. And God wants us to look like Jesus. And so... And so he, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God's 
most tenacious activity in all of our lives is to conform us to the image and shape of Jesus. That's why life is sometimes difficult and challenging for those of us who follow Jesus because God sees in us so much stuff that's not like Jesus that it requires some real effort and sometimes real pain so that we become shaped in his image. You know, the hammer and chisel God uses to knock off the stuff of us that doesn't look like Jesus sometimes. Ow! Watch it. But what we know is that the will of God and the ways of God toward us are always good so that God is shaping our lives. Now, this changes our perspective in the world. This truth will help you interpret the events and the circumstances of your life in a whole new way. Watch. There's nothing that has ever happened to you or ever going to happen to you that God cannot turn for good and for his glory. So listen now. Listen. Success in life. Hear it. Success in life is not about problem-free living. Success in life is allowing, submitting to the work of God to use the problems and the challenges and the sufferings of life to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this helps us because even when we're in a mess, even when we're in a point of confusion, even when we're worn out, even in those times when we don't know if we can go on, we don't know if there's any hope, even in those moments, we can rely on this truth that I am the focus and of, of God's affection and love. He loves me and he values me and he has good toward me. And that he is equipping me and preparing me so that one day when I live with him forever, that I will be shaped and conformed to the image of Jesus, that I'll have the family likeness. God is trying to prepare me and equip me to become like Jesus so that I become one of the brothers and sisters in the family. He's the elder brother. I'm just one of the brothers. You're one of the sisters. And so here is this shaping that God does. So I not only want to know God as a result of this meaning in life, but I want to become like Jesus. Now, here's a third thing that I want to mention that we can do with this information of purpose, and that is to practice serving. Practice serving. Ephesians 2.10, God who made us has given us new lives in Christ Jesus and long ago planned that we should spend these lives helping others. This past week, I was uh, with a group of uh, United Methodist clergy, and there were about 30 of, of us in the room. We were asked to introduce ourselves and to just share a quick uh, anecdote about our lives. You know, you got 10 seconds, tell us something. And so I stood up, I heard myself say these words. I said, my name is Greg Paris from Union Chapel Church in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, I am in my 34th year of the first church that I've ever served. 34th year. Now for Methodists, that's a little unusual. Actually, for anyone, that's unusual. For you, that's unusual. That's unusual. And people were moaning and groaning and amazed. And people afterwards coming up saying, you didn't really, you haven't been in the same church for 34 years. <laughs> yes. And then the questions come, how did you do, what, what are you thinking, you know, all those kinds of things. And I, let me just open up my life a little bit to you this morning. When I ask myself the question, why am I still in the same place after 34 years, you begin to, list some of the options, one of the reasons for that. One of the reasons could be that the people here in Union Chapel and in Muncie, Delaware County are so sweet and they're so, so precious and so, so lovable that 
why in the world would you want to leave paradise for any place else? <laughs> no, that's not it. So, <laughs> so what's the next option? Here's what, here's what gives me sticking power. This is what gets me up. This is how I connect with purpose and mission. It's the opportunity that God gives us with great people like you in, in this common sense of mission and purpose and vision that God would call us together to do something that would not only make a difference in this life, but would reverberate all the way into the next life so that we could engage in a meaningful, strategic, and God-glorifying way the expansion of the kingdom of God. This is, this is something that matters and is an opportunity that God gives us. And so that's why I hang around. That's why I linger around. And that's why we practice serving, because what we do here matters. The choices we make here matter. The, the way that we engage the mission God's called us to together, that actually matters in people's lives. And it's exhilarating, it's fun, it's exciting, it's adventuresome to be part of what God is doing in the world and to realize that you are in a purposeful, meaningful way engaging that work. It's, a, it's just the greatest thing. And so it changes everything. Then when something bad happens or some disappointment happens or some, or, or some collapse happens at some point, you just, you, you view it through the prism of God's higher purposes and meaning for your life. And that's what keeps us going. The, the fourth thing that I just want to offer is that we should be about sharing life's purpose with others. 2 Corinthians 5.19, this is the wonderful message God has given us to tell others. This wonderful message is simply this. God loves you. God values you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He loves you. He values you. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's the glorious good news of the gospel. You know, the gospel means good news. And we've been called to share this good news in a meaningful way with others. Now, let me just challenge you and we're done. There are people in this room today and for the first time in your life today, right now, you realize the purpose of life. Before today, you didn't know that God loves you. That you actually exist to the expression of his love. That he loves you and he values you. There, there's people in this room today, you've never heard another person in your life tell you that you are loved unconditionally and valued so highly. And I want you to know it's the truth. God loves you unconditionally and values you more than you can imagine. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And you can know him today by receiving Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become children of God, even to those who believe. And a simple step of faith to accept and receive Jesus is the step into that relationship. And then there are others of you in the room today, maybe you've walked with Jesus in your life, and you've lived out that purpose and that meaning in the past, but you lost your way and you drifted off course. And now your life is more 
of the cynical nature of Solomon's words. Too tired. No meaning. No significance. Uncontrollable. Can't go on. But here's the good news for you as well. That if you've been the prodigal son or daughter, if you come home, you'll find open arms there. And the loving Father will receive you back and remind you once again, the reason that you live is so I can love you and value you and spend eternity with you. And that's still an invitation that you can receive. So no matter where you are today, can we refocus our hope in the plan and purpose and meaning that God has given to all of us? Why am I here? To be the object of his love and his value and to prepare our lives to spend eternity with him. And that's the good news. So be encouraged today. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your word. Thank you for this uh, contrast, this, this clarity that comes from Solomon's words reminding us to pursue a relationship with you, to come like Jesus, to serve and to share. Lord, I, I pray today that you would speak to every person because we're all on a different place in the continuum, a different place on the journey, every one of us in a different place, and yet your love never fails. Your love meets us right where we are. There isn't anything so bad that we have done that would make you love us any less there's not a thing any of us have done that is so good that would make you love us any more than you do. So today I pray that you would help all of us to receive your love and that value that you give to us so that we might have hearts that are right with you. Oh God, we want to know you and we want to live in a purposeful way. So help us by your grace, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.